Hey, welcome to the Father Seekers Podcast. My name is Pastor Keith, and you are joining us for a podcast where we talk about father stuff. Father stuff, right? Yes. <laughs> how, yeah. How to how to how to be a good dad in in a weird culture. Yeah, that's a good, in a fatherless culture. That's a great summary. No, seriously. That's a tagline. In a, in a, I forgot what I said, but I just literally in just a, forgot what I said. Culture. Yeah, did we record this? <laughs> yeah, I think we did. So, running. so in a fatherless culture, we we're just trying to help dads get a grip and move forward. Mm-hmm. That's help, the game. Help dads, and we've this week we received uh, a good amount of feedback. Yeah, and I don't know. I haven't asked entirely if all of them were fathers. Yeah. Um, but I hope, fingers crossed, that maybe yeah. we're getting listeners that aren't fathers, that uh, just want to be better men yeah. because of their childhood. Uh, they they yeah. want to investigate why they feel the way they feel because of how they were they were handled as a child. Yeah, some guys, some guys I've talked to, that's a good point, some guys I've talked to that they actually they actually shy away from relationship because they don't want kids because they had a miserable childhood and they don't want to repeat because they know that they'll repeat if they don't but but we want to help them get help and figure out the game plan that's yeah. what we're doing yeah that's it so with any with anything with any product you're you're quote selling you should know your demographic our demographic yeah. is pretty big it's a big yeah huge. i'd say it's half the, half the human race um if you count women in that Three quarter just to be safe. Yeah, because Three quarter they're, the they're, just to be safe. I get I get emails on occasion yeah. from women that say, "Hey, what about us?" Like, <laughs> well, I'm, hey, I don't know. I'm a man. I, I listen. I, 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 I <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I've talked to several women that I know that are Jesus girls, and I ask them about what what is the what is the thing that you struggle with as a as a fatherless as a fatherless woman. Mm. Oh, that's an interesting, that would be an bro, interesting show. Bro, listen, the number one, the number one is abandonment. Hmm. That's what they deal with, uh, being abandoned. Now, imagine carrying that into a relationship with a man. Women's got it. Women, women have it tough. Think about that. Just for a second, they've got it tough. If they grew up with the with a not so good dad or without a dad, and I've asked all my sisters that, like, what was it like, bro? I'm telling you, it's. I believe it to be. I believe it to be tougher for women, fatherless women. Hmm. I truly believe that. Well, that's an idea for a show. I think you're going to have to get a different host. But no, I. You know what? I. Yeah, maybe. No, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I want to go there. Maybe here's what I thought about. This would be cool. I'll be vulnerable. I'll put it out there. Like I've thought about now. I'm not going to say it. Well, I think you have to, I I will. So I thought about, you know, what if, what if someday, if I ever get married again, what if I married a woman that was, that grew up without a dad was a Jesus girl and could speak to it directly huh that almost would seem ordained yeah i'm not i'm not fishing in anybody's pond mm. i'm just saying but well, if the if the chips would fall as they if may? the chips would fall all right if the chips would fall because when i talk to my sisters it's like it, it's it's difficult for me because i remember 
what it was like. But then, then I hear their stories and it's like, Oh my, my heart breaks, mm-hmm. like breaks in half. Yeah. It, it stories mm-hmm. like different points of view really is like, it's kind of gospel driven. Like mm-hmm. they all, the disciples were all there and yeah. then their accounts of the same story in different gospel, they all yeah. have the general theme of it, yeah. but they vary. And when you hear, like in in that instance, I'm sure it's you. You guys are talking, telling the same stories, yeah. But your perspective on that story has is a dude perspective. Is a like very different perspective. Like, to your point, here's what I think about the Samaritan woman. Just reading it and j- reading it with journey to wholeness lenses, which we we need to put a journey to wholeness thing on our on our on our thing. Well, whatever. Maybe, maybe this week uh, it can be the commercial. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a commercial on there. Like, yeah, Kelso put it on. I know, but uh, <laughs> maybe maybe you tell him which commercial you like. <laughs> no, I just put a put a tag or something on there under fathersecrets.org, fathersecrets.org, email. Um, but I, I believe if you read the story through Journey and Holdless Lenses and you t- just just listen to what this Samaritan woman said, you you can almost bet she was fatherless, like grew up without a dad or grew up on the streets or maybe pitched out at an early age. Yeah. So and and when you when you think about women who who and this is this is a hard topic but when you think about women who grew up without a dad and are already skeptical of relationships with males and then have to marry a male and then have to submit to him if you don't understand what submission is it's like you are already two strikes against you bro mm-hmm. if you marry a woman like that you better treat her well and have some healing in your hands. Well, there's or there's a- going to be major trouble because there's there's already distrust in her heart, not for you, and not because of you, but because of where she came from. And and that that and then you're asking her to trust you and come into a relationship with you and spend the next fifty years with you. No, no, yeah. it's not that easy. There there's so many uh, strikes against marriage as it is in our culture today. That you wonder how anyone remains married Truth. that aren't Truth. centered around Christ. Well, because I mean, just how you describe that—that's good. It's yeah. like that's, of course, the marriage, the divorce rate would be high. As you describe that scenario, that's that's one side. That's only one side right. of this coin, and right. that almost seems like an impossible thing to to uh, navigate. Without Jesus, everything crashes and burns. Right. I will tell the the your world will burn. If you don't have Jesus, I will tell you that now. And if not now, it will eventually burn. Yeah. But with men, we get, we get our emotional health and well-being from our moms. We get our, our identity from our fathers. Hmm. Now imagine a woman going into a relationship that's already twisted up and hurt. And imagine what she passes on to her kids as a fatherless Hmm. mom. But then you got a fatherless dad who joins in that relationship. And neither one of them have re- reference points about what a real family's like, yeah, or what a Jesus family's like. All hell crashes against their lives, mm. bro. We can we need to do a series on this right here. <laughs> we need to talk about this. Well, speaking because you don't say hmm a lot, but you said hmm like a couple times now. Speaking of which, so we're going to finish this. Series. Let's finish so this next one. We, next week. Could bring just about anything. Could bring. Yeah. Just about, but we are finishing a series here, a yeah. four-week series. Yeah. Uh, the series is uh, is titled "Above All Else," yeah. and I know that because it's right here on my show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, this episode's called "Do." 
Yeah. Now, if you want to give a summary of the previous episodes, you could. Yeah, I'll do it fast. I'll as, do it fast. As a listener, you could just look at the previous you could episodes. Look. Yeah. Or you could tell them. Or or they could go back and subscribe and download the podcast. Yeah, sure. And then read it because the show notes. Download the podcast, submit, subscribe. <laughs> um, it was it was no be seek and do today. We're talking about do, but no, we live our lives daily close enough to our Father that we know His will. That's close to know His heart, and then to be we 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 are beloved sons. Before anything else, we're beloved sons, and we understand that our identity is with Jesus. And then, then the word seek, it's the pursuit of, of my heavenly father's purpose and plan for my life. And, and just that piece right there brings so much clarity. The who, what, where, how, and why yeah, the, of, of life. Yeah. You know, the simple questions. Yeah. Who, what, where, when, why, how, where, <laughs> we with co- who? And we cover that in 36 who minutes. Is <laughs> who is that? With who? So I, and I think, you know, when, when we look at today's word do, which it's um it's an amazing word it's two letters it's but today we're gonna and i don't want to get tied up on these these four little phrases here but um a lot of a lot of us what do we do who are we how do we do it why do we do it those things in our lives i think we get sidetracked with that kind of stuff that's good for consulting a business or a church, which I ask those questions all the time when I do that. But but when we get when we start struggling, I, th- I think l- let's just talk about the word "do." Like I looked up the definition of the word "do," and there were over thirty definitions for it for a two little two letter word. And and in those definitions, there were usages of the word. And I think we spend a lot of our lives trying to figure out what we're going to do next, like. Like when the guys get together, uh, let's go out and grab, let's go out. The little crew that I run, run with, they say, let's go out and get some beer and wings. And okay, where are we going to do it? And then you, we got something to do. Where are we going to do it? How are we going to do it? How? So this word do, when, when we talk about just a couple of the definitions, uh, the word do means to bring to pass. What is it in my life that I'm bringing to pass? It's about performance, about about bringing something about, about finishing, about going forward with with purposeful plans. And I think I think, but it's also something when we do and don't have direction, we get sidetracked. Now, if you if you look previously at the other podcast, if we if we know God. If we if we become like him and we seek his will and his plan, then the do questions answered for us. Because in those three other words, we find direction. A lot of clarification comes. It it's a filtration system. Know, be, and seek. Then the question is, what do we do? But what I want to talk about for a few minutes today before we get to the, the, the punchline, before we take it home, is this question. Because men notoriously do things in their lives that they just don't like doing. I've found 
that when I ask this question that I want to ask you, that men generally give one answer. And here's the question. What's the greatest fear in a man's life, Keith? Mm. The greatest fear in a man's life. Um, I think, I think if you, if I were to speak for the entire male population, mm-hmm. you know, some four and a half billion people, mm. maybe the fear of failure. Mm-hmm. If I, is that the right answer? I don't know. Do, no, do, do you have, is this a no, I don't, open-ended question? It's an, yeah, it's an open end because I think there's, there's a couple of words that, that, fly around in our little speech bubbles off mm-hmm. off of a word to define it. Like fear of failure. Failure is a big deal because most of the time we're afraid to move. We don't know what we're supposed to do. And then there's we know that there's, there's something out there somewhere that we're supposed to do, but we don't get to it. We don't do it. But it's it's in the shadows. It's vague. But, but that's not now. The thing that men fear most mm-hmm. is a mediocrity. Yeah. Yeah, and then they live in it. I think that that's a spot. That's a spar of uh, uh, of failing. Yeah. You know, people people don't want to fail uh-huh. because they'd be mediocre or even worse. But you can flip flip the coin, and if you fear so much, if you if you are mediocre, and and you have a fear of failure, then you're going to stay where you're comfortable. Yep. Yeah. But then, if you stay where you're comfortable, and I'm thinking like three or four guys right now that that are in my little core that I talk to on a regular basis. If you stay where you are and remain comfortable, you'll never become the man that God wants you to be. Sometimes you, you got to step off the ledge. You have to. Yeah. Like in, in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. We reference Indiana Jones a lot. I love Indiana Jones. <laughs> I want to get a hat like that. My grandpa used to wear hats like that. The fedora with the little thing mm-hmm. in it. It was not, uh, it was the, the last crusade because he goes in this cave and says all the, the words and gets through him. And then he's got to jump this crevasse, this over to get to the thing. And he knows he's got a step and he knows he's got, but as he steps, he kicks gravel and gravel goes out on the pathway, which was a translucent pathway that you could see through it down to the bottom of the crevasse. Mm -hmm. But then when he saw the pebbles, he reached down, picked up pebbles and threw them all the way across. And then he saw the pathway. Mm-hmm. So that's what that's what I think that's what I think is how to beat mediocrity. But but the the danger is uh, what mediocrity leads to. What it leads to, where it takes us. It first of all takes us nowhere. And I read this. I read this. I want to share a couple of things from a, a an article I read in the Guardian. This is supposed to be the best website in the world. I don't know about that, but this was a great article. And I, I've got the link in the in the show notes. But here are the five regrets of dying. When people were asked, the five regret. Now think about this. And in 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 the framework of mediocrity and fearing not to be able to move, but knowing that there's something better out there for you ahead of the fear. Your your greatest adventure, and your best becoming like Jesus, is is beyond fear. You have to go through fear to get to the place that God wants you to go. Okay, okay. So so you're going to give me... Now, here's the problem. Here's what I see a problem with this morning. I brought you coffee. Yeah. And you are, like you are, you've got this thing in your eye right now, like... Oh, yeah, it's oh, called coffee. Oh, oh. Yeah. So um, 
So so Barry texts me. We normally record about eight thirty, which usually means about eight fifty. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes, "Hey, would you would you like something at the exchange?" Mm-hmm. And I, I thought as I read that text, trying to trying to ease my sarcasm, but like, yeah. dude. Does anyone ever say no to, to, to black coffee? <laughs> Does any? Nope. How dare you? <laughs> especially, especially, uh, especially the exchange. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah, the exchange coffee's fan, fantastic. And so I, I replied like, uh, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, it's no, great." No one's ever going to say no. Now they're to, to a they're not black they're not our sponsors, but we love them and we go there every day. Yeah, yeah. There's I have a little space that I I've created an office space. There. Yeah, the, uh, they're the employees know my name. Yeah. And I don't know if that's because I work at the church, but no. they know my name. No. It's very nice when you go into places it that is. you frequent and they it know is. your name and know who you are. And they, they know, know like. and then they say, is the usual? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's a charm about that. There is. But I digress. So yeah. So the, so the guardian, the guardian wrote this article and it's, it's the top five regrets of dying. Now where mediocre, mediocrity takes a man is to death with misery. But here's the challenge to us all to avoid the mediocrity piece. And the, the avoidance of the mediocrity piece is to realize that you have to walk through fear to get to to get to the place where God is going to show you. Because fear, here's the thing, fear is a lie. Yeah. But you got to walk through it to dissipate it and to prove it wrong. Yeah. And even in the dark, you've got to yell praises to God believing that as I step forward off this crevasse and I don't see a pathway, but I hear the pebbles running across the pathway that's there, I know that I've got to walk through this. I know I've got to cross through fear to get there. And if I don't cross through it, I'll never be there and I'll live a life of mediocrity, which by the way, mediocrity disintegrates into failure and regret. This is why. Well, before you say the list, because I haven't read it, I want to tell you the like the things I would fear and see if those are the same. Let's go. So I'm a test. Let's go. I'm just a test subject. I'm just test your, subject. Your average Here we everyday, go. everyday uh, man who, yeah. who is a father, who yeah. is married, um, who's had a story similar to you as a listener. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the names and dates have changed. Yeah. So my first, my first regret on my deathbed today would be that I never took that vacation to Europe. Like mm-hmm. I, I want to go and see a couple cities mm-hmm. and every year I'm like, well, next year's the year I'm going to go. I would regret not taking that vacation with my wife, not just pulling the trigger on it. My second, um, I would fear, I would regret not teaching my kids and my wife things that I do like, and I'll, I'll be specific about this. I, I, I have a family recipe for enchiladas mm. and rice and I would I would regret not thoroughly teaching them how to pass that recipe. So, a pause. So, so we need to have a guy's night. Yeah, I'll chip in. I digress. Number three. No, but yeah. So the, the, my enchiladas and rice are really good, and my mom taught me how well, to do it. All right. And if I were to die, and my mom were to pass because mm-hmm. the rest of my family am not. Mm-hmm. terribly close to mm-hmm. that recipe dies. Yeah. Well, uh, share the love mm-hmm. and let's do it sometime. Yeah. Yeah. Done deal. Um, I would, I would probably, and, and I, I say this kind of like with my tongue in cheek, but I would, I would probably regret the Saturdays. I did nothing, you know, where I'm so busy that I recharge. I, I need a recharging. Mm-hmm. 
um, I would probably on my deathbed say I shouldn't have recharged so much. I should have just kept going and making memories. Now there are some memories in the recharge. There are. Uh, yeah. But I think as me, as, as the man I am, yeah. I would say how much, how many minutes did I waste? Yeah. How many minutes well, did I waste? Okay. Not to sidetrack, but if we look at the old Testament way, the, the rule of law, mm-hmm. uh, the Sabbath, Sabbath, Sabbath is obedience, not sacrifice. That's another topic. Yeah. Number four. Um, I think I would, I'm running out. I, I truthfully, I, I, I would regret not going and seeing places that I've always yeah. wanted to see. I would regret not passing down my knowledge to my children. Yes. And I, that. and I would regret yes. wasting time. Yes. How that's, much time I've wasted. That's it. I think so. Yeah. So all the things that you said could be categorized in these five, but I would call you, I would call you in regard to life experience based on these things, Mm -hmm. these basic regrets, I would call you, you a master of your destiny because you, you already know a lot of this. So what you know can now become a pathway to what you need to do with the rest of your days. But for, for, for just, and again, we can categorize it, but, but just for the, just for the, the, the research that the guardian did, here's, here's the number one thing. And again, you can be categorized. Number one thing. And I find this like, it makes you shake a little bit on the inside. The top five regrets of dying. I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself and not what others expected of me. Hmm. That's sad. <laughs> it's so it's because sad. I, because I don't. I, it's I, sad. I, I, I don't. I don't want to be like. Well, I. It's I so marched sad. to the beat of my own drum, but no. But I definitely know who I am, and I definitely. Okay. I. That's sad. That that yeah. that would be. Number one, that yeah, how many people one. are out there living and being someone they're not? Well, well, there's a lot. You and I know we talk to them every week. They every week, every week. That would be torturous. Yeah, it's misery. That's like, why people live in mediocrity. That's that, why men die that way. They die sad and drunk in a cage. They die sad and drunk of lung cancer because they smoke cigarettes or whatever, or they eat too much or. So, I mean, but when you put it in that regards, I mean, they've made their decisions and, and I don't know. But look, God made us, he made men to do two things, actually three. He made men to not be alone, Mm -hmm. to create and to conquer. And if we are not partnered with somebody and we're not creating and conquering, we will be miserable. And and how do we create and conquer? We have a passion for something in life that's bigger than us. And if you don't have a passion in life that's bigger than you and it doesn't make you shake and be afraid that that's way too big, if it's not big enough and it, if what your passion is doesn't scare you, then it's not big enough. Hmm. If you If you can do it on your own, it's not big enough. Yeah. Most people never find that. Before the show, we were talking about one of your new sidetrack passions. Yeah. But one of the things about you is you're always finding new passions, but you're always finding time to do those and you make them successful and profitable, but you have to push other things out of your life to do those. Mm -hmm. Most people never do that. They never get there. And it's not not always pushing. It's just compartmentalizing it. Like like affording time to do this 
and know that it's not, I'm not going to do it forever, you know? And then once it's deemed successful, I go and do something else. Well, yeah. But one of the things that has so been freeing to me is coming back from sabbatical, I've, I've said no more since I've been back mm-hmm. than I've said probably in most of my life. Hmm. Like, no, I can't do it. Because of what you said, I prioritized, prioritized yeah. Yeah. people and 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 put things in proper place. So with that, there are this list would have, and the Guardian's at one of the most reputable yeah, it is. press press yeah. companies uh, in the world. Yeah. That, so the number one on the list is people wish they were they were themselves more frequently. Mm-hmm. In a nutshell, true to themselves. Huh. If they were true, to them. but but here's why people are not true to themselves because they don't know who they are. If you don't understand your identity, you will be a poser. You'll fake. Yeah. You'll copy. So you'll not be anything. Do you think that? Do you think that on their deathbed is when they figure out? Oh, yeah. Well, this is who I am. Yeah. And so how do you? Yeah. So and that this but, is but whole, they but they figure out who they are because they look back at what they've done. Mm-hmm. Ooh. That's why they figure it out. And then they go, oh my God. So so one of my favorite quotes, and I don't know, hell, I don't know if it was even me that came up with it, but I've been saying it for so long and I, I don't know where it came from. Uh, wow. Okay, 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 okay. So, 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 they, so, so, they, so they look back at what they've done. So why is it so important that we do the right thing? Why is it, why is it that we... Why? Yeah, we've got to do, and if it's never too late, you okay. got to start doing the right thing. So here's the quote: uh, uh, While I've always judged my myself on my intentions, the world judges me by my actions. Mm-hmm. So I may be good intended, but if my actions are poor, you know, the idea of I always think I'm a good person. Yeah, but if my actions aren't proving that, yeah, while I judge myself on my intentions, the world is judging me by my actions. Right. But then if you're living for somebody else and they, they see, see, here's the, here's the cruel thing about the world. They can see that you are not serving your own purposes, but that you're serving somebody else's Mm -hmm. and that you live your life as a, as a follower and a suck up. And that's the most miserable place to live. It doesn't mean that you don't work for somebody, but it means that you've got your own plan and your own passion. So on on the deathbed, do you finally come to the realization that, oh, I always thought I was going to do these things or I was going to be this person, but it turns out I'm not. When you talk about the word regret, people, I believe, and I've seen this, people on their deathbed, regret flashes in. Mm-hmm. And they, 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 all the chances that they had to do things that they never knew the answer to unless they did them. They could only hypothesize. And, and maybe, but then they talk themselves down off the ledge to jump across a crevasse to go into the future. They talk themselves down off the cliff because they've got to jump and get over the, over the, over the great void, the valley. And there's a way to do it, but they stand back and they're afraid. And that's when regret kicks in. And that's when they look back and they say, look at what I've done, but what could I have done with the time that I had? All right. So, I'm I'm almost thinking that this is a whole nother series just tearing down each one of these questions. Okay, give me, well, but give me number two. Uh I wish I wished I hadn't worked so hard. Yeah, I think that's a gimme. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean like most guys they they the um like old testament kings, they they work to build their kingdom and forgot their family. Yeah. 
they didn't mentor their sons. That that by the way, in the in the Old Testament, that's that's the norm. Is that the kings were more concerned with their most of them were more concerned with their kingdom than they were their kids. Well, it ended good for all those kings, huh? Not no, not <laughs> not really. No. The, the whole book is how how God just say, ruined, uh, like not only eliminates uh, these kings but yeah. gruesomely eliminates I'd, these. Kings. I'd say heck no. <laughs> number number three is and and this is to our point here. I wished I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know where. I mean, if you study history. I I believe that the 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 feelings like a man is needs to be a man not, not talk mm-hmm. probably came in the late 1800s mm-hmm. into the early 1900s yeah like there's and we only really know that because that's been so close to us mm-hmm. but throughout history like speaking of your feelings was a very normal mm-hmm. a very normal behavior yeah. but somewhere in in Western civilization between. Just guessing, like 1820, 1840, yeah. 1850 to 19, 2005. Yeah. You know, there's, we have a, this block of a hundred some odd years that it did, it was very unnormal for a man to express his feelings. If he, if he did, it was like, gosh, this guy's weak. Um, but I think that, I think that this generation, uh, the millennials and Gen Z's, the, with the rebirth of the church mm-hmm. is coming the rebirth of, uh, of, not knowing any better. We've had to, let me tell you, to, to to tag, to to be the tag or the follower of what you just described about historical manhood. What's happened now is men have lost their identity. Yeah. And and they don't know who they are. And then you've got a bunch of young kids that grew up without a dad and they're mm-hmm. searching. And if you just look on and watch any any program about fashion, my God. My God, there's a reason, there's a reason that we wear clothes to identify ourselves. Well, there's a, there's somewhere along the line, there's a reason why we wore clothes in general. Yeah, because the sin, I mean, we could have all been walking around naked. I I mean, even, even when you go to like to Roman Greek, like, like, like old Roman statues, Greek statues, the men were hardly covered. Right. I mean, the right. women were but, but, hardly covered. But, but but here's my here's my point. We've digressed. Here's my point. When people 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 people, the way a person looks is a descriptor. Yeah. Of who they view themselves to be, and I don't know if it's been like that even it's go, not even two hundred years not. ago. It's not in World War Two. Yeah, two hundred years ago, I think it was. It wasn't even that. No, World War Two was the definer. Like, but but. If you if you study fatherhoods, fatherlessness has been back all the way to, to Jesus' day. But when you when you look at World War II, that's really the crusher that started the the dominoes falling in our culture. But people, if they don't know who they are, they're going to seek and pose and become something that God never created them to be. And we can get so far diversed off of the real track, the original design that we get detoured and we become something. All you have to do is go to Los Angeles and look around or Chicago. My family's from LA. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or New York. Yeah. And they're the trendsetters. But, I'll tell you, there there are times where I go, because me and my wife, Pre kids, we went to Chicago a lot because mm-hmm. it's a quick drive. Yeah, um, 
we're we're going to Chicago uh, next month on a yeah. week. My kids like to go to the big tall hotels and yeah. have a vacation there. But anyway, like I I, re- I I I realized every time I left Chicago that I was very like unfashionably dressed. Yeah. Like I always felt yeah. like I always yeah. left feeling like, oh, yeah. I'm out of weight. I'm out, I'm out of shape. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it, was, uh, it wasn't yeah. a morale booster leaving no. Chicago. Be like, no. gosh, I really like how that. Uh, that, that, uh, that dude's dressed like, pretty cool. I mean, <laughs> that, that shirt and those shoes. Yeah, those, those shoes mm, are really cool. Straight up. And I looked down. I'm like, man, I uh, totally Green Bay. I got to get out. I here. I got to get out of here. I got to leave. <laughs> uh, what's interesting though is is that who we are on the outside is a direct reflection representation of who we are on the inside anyway yeah so we're at number four number four i wished i'd stayed in touch with my friends mm. Mm, in short in, in short build community mm. have a community and number five cruncher i wished that i had let myself be happier yeah yeah, I think happiness is self-imposed. Happiness, I think, I, I yeah. think misery is self-imposed. Misery is self-imposed. Happiness is self-imposed. Anger is a secondary emotion. Think about all that. Yeah. Well, but, uh, but joy comes from Jesus. It, he is the source of that. We can't find joy outside of I him. think p- peace is also, it's impossible. Exactly. It's, the, the devil can't manufacture a fake no. peace. No, he can't. You know, he can uh-huh. manufacture a lot of fake emotions. He can but peace is one that he doesn't get the get the language for. No, he he doesn't understand it because peace is about truth and love. Mm-hmm. And he is a liar. Finding peace even in the hard times, like in moments of fear and frustration, to find peace in that it's yeah. one of those things he, the enemy can't. He doesn't. Un- yeah, he he, he it's doesn't. A foreign language that it's he impossible to translate. It. He yeah. does not understand. Yeah. It. So so allowing myself to be. I I do. I I firmly believe, like how you said, was anger is a secondary emotion. Uh, I think I think on a show we did do a rude emotion some gosh months and months and months ago. Mm-hmm. But how I I stand by this uh, I stand by the idea that fear is the primary emotion. Well, there's no doubt. Okay, uh, like everything boil anger boils and Yoda. I think Yoda said this on on a Star Wars that. But fear leads to uh, anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Yeah. And, exactly, but the, I mean, fear is the root of Leave it to Yoda. of of all of those sub emotions. I think secondary, third, third, thirdary emotions. Yeah, I think um, I think in the garden, I think part of the part of the gameplay there was for the enemy is FOMO with Adam and Eve. FOMO, yeah, FOMO, fear of missing out. You think so? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, it's interesting. To, let's let's bring that up because at the point at the point in which we get the. Uh, the accuser in the story, I, yeah. the accuser is already on earth. Yeah. So his demise, his yeah. casting down yeah. happened prior to the story that we're given in the, yeah. in the book. Truth. So you think it was FOMO? I, d- I think it's part of it, but here's the other part of it. Because, because and, and the Joe, uh, the, a study on the book of Job would is interesting to say, because by that, by, by the time of the book of Job, yeah, the enemy has a point and purpose in the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, keep going. What's so, your thought? What's so, your thought? FOMO. So, so in this, this leads directly into mediocrity. Okay. So if you look at the garden's story, the picture, God said, interestingly enough, he said, Adam named everything. Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. I'm going to make you a helpmate, a partner, a one that watches and protects and stands beside you. 
not a slave, not a servant, but I'm going to make a help a friend, a partner. And then he says, you have authority over over every living beast in the garden. Mm-hmm. And then we read prior to his creation and Eve's that God said, God said, let us, the Trinity, the Holy Trinity of God, Father, Son, and Spirit, let us create man in in my image, in my image, in my, I give him identity. I am his father. Mm-hmm. Do you so, think that that line is a metaphorical line? No, nope. I don't either. Nope. I, have, I have this strange belief that when I meet, when I meet my dad face to face, yeah, he's going to look eerily like us. Yeah, I do. What well, I, you know, I, I think, I think I do. I have this idea that we're going to look, we're going to look more like him. But, but when we stand before him, we'll see ourselves, but we'll see him, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. Yeah. It's like we're part of, we're his image, we're his... Like we're his actual, like what we're, like, like my daughter and my son Yeah, there's my no eyes. doubt. There's no doubt. So like, yeah. I, I, I agree that too. Like when I meet, when I meet the father, it's going to be like, oh, I definitely look like I could be your child. Yeah, I believe it. I do. And I think, um, I think... There's going to be a lot of clarity there, but yeah. But back to the tree. What what did the serpent say? He he he. One translation says he beguiled. He twisted Eve's mind. Oh yeah. And he said, and he said, did God really say? And he focused on the fruit. Now it's not an apple. I don't know what it was. It doesn't matter. But he focused. He he worked and attempted, and then won the scuffle in directing her, her gaze and her look and her aspiration and her desire to take the fruit. Yeah. To get something, she had to take the fruit. So to get, what did she want to get? She wanted to get, she wanted to get the same knowledge of God to be like God. That's let's look at what happened here though. That's why Satan was cast down. God was her father. Fatherhood was broken in the garden. The relationship yeah. was broken. It, yeah, in our section in the story, yeah. 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 So for it, humanity. Yeah. And so so the the serpent, the enemy focused her attention on this one thing and she was distracted by all the other stuff that God said you can have all this, mm-hmm. but don't do this one thing. And what did the enemy do? Focused her attention on the one thing because and, she got her eyes off her and father. It was such an easy, like that was a layup. Yeah, but but here's the thing. But <laughs> before, I mean, before we delve into this episode, just being a breakdown on Genesis, yeah. it was a complete and easy layup. Like, yeah, but I mean, I mean, because yeah. like if you think about how simplistic that sentence is, uh, but I mean, but did he really say like? And then you can say it in any different timber timbre of voice, like yeah. like. Did he really say? Yeah. Uh, did yeah. he really say? Yeah. It's a, he's <laughs> did a doubt. Did he really but, say? But here's where the thing happens. He was a doubt caster, not a forecaster, a doubt caster. He was tempting people to doubt. And what he tempted and won the argument with, with Eve and with Adam eventually was that he got their attention casted on this one thing that God said you can't have. And then they focused their attention on it. And then they, 
because they took that, they get this reward, not only death, but they get to, to be like God, to know everything. If you look back at what God himself said, he said, number one, they're created in my image. Number two, they have authority over every living thing in the garden, every living thing. And you can have authority over all of this and all this is yours, just not this one thing. So when we talk about FOMO, fear of missing out, and they focus on that one thing and they missed all this other stuff that God had for them because they wanted to be like God, bro, they were already created in his image. They were already like God, but in a holy way, not corrupted by sin. They had relationship with their father. They could have done anything in the garden they wanted, and they did what they wanted. They chose the fruit. They paid the price. They died and corrupted every living person from that day till this and from then on. Hmm. Okay. Their choice. Yeah. Well, so how, how, how do we end on an up note then? No, that, that is the up note. I mean, <laughs> the, the Redeemer came. He created us in his image and he loved because us so much. Because at that end of that period, it sounded kind of bleak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but but just to, to the mediocrity point, the enemy cast doubt uh-huh. to get us to disbelieve that we're created like our Father, to be able to create and do things with his power and his strength and his direction. Just like the garden, God said, you could have all this, it's yours, do whatever you want with it, just maintain it and grow it and multiply it. That's all God's saying to us in our lives. Not only grow and maintain your lives, but multiply your lives. And when you're not multiplying your life, you're going to be miserable. You're going to live in mediocrity. You're going to be a person that sits in the corner and wishes, and on your deathbed one day, you're going to regret listening to the enemy. And you're going to regret the voice of contempt and you're going to regret all those little whispers that say to you, you can't do it. Here's the truth. If we don't walk through fear and get through fear and push forward to see what God wants us to do with our lives, we will be miserable people living in mediocrity and we will die on a deathbed of regret. Now, here's the upswing. You can change the, the trajectory of your course right now, this moment. And you're not too old. It's not too late. It's just not too late. You can change it. So, like like a late night infomercial. Wait, there's more. <laughs> there's more. Well, here are three things that I, I've I've come to learn that I think can change. I know because I've done these, and and I continue to do these. But here are three things that will change the the course tra- trajectory of your life give them to me number 1 number 1 submit your life to the lordship of Jesus Christ how does one submit submit your life to the lordship of Jesus Christ submit means that i give up my right and free moral agent power to choose anything except what he would have me choose. Giving up my free will. You can never give up your free will. You, submitting you, it today. But you have to submit it to yep. his lordship. Yep. 
and when his when you're submitted, I'm submitted, we're submitted to the lordship of Jesus, our will is directed to fulfill his will. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we have just we have just clarified most of our life's problems. And uh, here's a spoiler alert. That's a daily thing, and yeah. it's typically never perfected. For me, it, yeah, it's a moment-by-moment thing yeah. because I'm always having to, to instance decide. Instance by instance. In, in, yes. Insta- Actually, one of the translations say, Jesus said, follow me, and in moment-by-moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so you, you never, you never like a... Check that box. No, What's there's next? no check box. There's just the tra- the trajectory change. Yeah. You just continue moving upward. But as you move upward, there's a stress and a strain because you're moving forward. You're moving upward and forward at the same time. When you do that and continue to do it and as, met, as, as much things you do in what, what's, what some people would say in all of my affairs, um, yeah. you get closer to God. God oh. discloses so much more. Like when I, I've talked with people and they're like, oh, but you, it seems like God's always talking to you. Well, he wasn't always talking to me. Mm-hmm. At this season of my life, he is talking mm-hmm. to me a lot because mm-hmm. I'm doing the principles he's told me to do. Yeah. And the reward of that is more responsibility, um, but also more clarity. We yeah. have a, me and God have a better relationship than we've ever had. So he talks to me more and I talk to him more and I know him more and he knows me more. Yeah. But Keith... My relationship with God is only hindered by my free will. For sure. He's never not there, but there are a lot of times when you're not. But, and his voice is never not speaking. He is never not trying to communicate with me. He, he, he He, essentially gives you the Rosetta stone. One of the things, yes. One of the things that I ask every day, I ask that Holy Spirit would amplify his voice in my ear Mm -hmm. and quiet the the other voices in my world around me. Me, me as well. Yeah. And then I also remember when I say those words that God hears me. Yeah. And, uh, and he, and sometimes here's the thing like when you take that step, you have to realize that he's going to answer you. Yeah. And sometimes they're not things you want to hear. Right. And so be ready that it's not all my ties and Yahtzee. Well, here's the other thing about that. It's true. But you get to a point with that where you go, I've experienced not doing it God's way mm-hmm. and I, I understand the pain with that. So I would much rather do it his way because I find pleasure in pleasing my father. And that's, that's, I, I'm looking here at, at your screen. That's yeah. number two. Yeah. Their, their life's mission is to do the will of their father. Yeah. So when you, yeah. when you start getting really, when you get a lot of reps in the gym yeah. of giving your will up, yeah. then it doesn't matter what the answer <laughs> yeah. is. It's second nature. It's second nature. It's, it's instead of it, like, Jesus said, my, my sheep know my voice. Like if you see a shepherd in, in Israel, he will go out and say something or make a noise or a sound and his sheep will know who he is and they will respond to him and just do it mm-hmm. with Jesus. We have his word. We have Holy spirit. We have our, our interchange and interface with the father himself. And when you begin I begin, we begin, anyone begins to enter into a relationship with Heavenly Father that way and listen to Holy Spirit and pattern our lives after Jesus. Anytime we begin to do that, things begin to significantly shift in our lives. Mm -hmm. And like you said a moment ago, I do all these things, but I compartmentalize some. When we live this way, we, we push out and create space for the father. So we're 
pushing, and it's called really sanctification, is getting rid of things in our lives that don't need to be there. Yeah, when when you do it so frequently, the giving up your own will, it yeah. won't matter what the answer is from no, God because you'll find I got it. You'll find peace right. in either answer, and then you've hit this point of tranquility that's impossible to have found using a, a map by man. It is impossible to to hit that location using a hidden treasure map. It's only possible, I've found in my experience, using the map that God's given us. Right. I I talked to you guys literally for the last month. One subject that's come up with me is they've asked, hey, bro, um, you think it's okay to smoke weed? And I say, well, why do you want to smoke weed? Mm -hmm. Usually it it distills down to, I I, want to, I don't want to be anxious and I want to have some peace. Yeah. Yeah. So then you, then you do the Jesus talk and you say, well, Mm -hmm. peace is anyway. Number three, when, when I, when I, when I completely wholly give my life to God, I begin to have clarity and I understand value, worth, success and peace in doing my father's will. Yeah. It's like I'm doing, have you ever heard somebody say I'm doing what I was created to do? Yep. This is it. This is right here. When we're fulfilling the will of the father, like I, th- I think of Lee McFarland. It's a friend. Lee McFarland. He's a good, yeah. Lee McFarland. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. 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 I, it's truthfully, when you said that, I was the first person I thought of was Seth McFarland. Yeah. The not Seth. Family not guy. Seth. Go home, Seth. Stay away. <laughs> I mean, quit your job in Hollywood. He's, 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 he's quite yeah. a script writer. Yeah. My, my son knows him. And he's dad, dad. He's <laughs> that, a, oh he, my God. He's, a, he's amazing. Dad. I he's mean, like, I oh mean, my God. The, the thing that I don't care for m- many of his shows, uh, but family guy, and it's been a long time since I watched it. Yeah. But there was a, there was a, in my youth, man, I could, I would laugh a lot. He's a talented. Show. I mean, yeah. he's got some talent, right? He, he's super. And he came, yeah. he came out with a ton of shows and, and I haven't watched them, but apparently they do very well yeah. in ratings. And so your son knows him. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They've done stuff. Anyway. That's impressive. So Lee McFarland, Lee McFarland. Not Seth McFarland. Not Seth. Lee. Lee McFarland. He was here. He spoke here a few yeah, months yep, ago. Yep, yeah. Yep. So he was, he was a Microsoft exec, mm-hmm. like high wealthy dude, like wealthy dude, like wealthy. And God spoke to him and said, I want you to be a pastor. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> so he left, cashed out, basically lost a million multi plus million dollar job wealth and he took all of his all of all that he had he and his wife beautiful people and started a church mm-hmm. now that's that's totally against FOMO but he gave everything that he had to the kingdom of God and today Lee does what he loves with his beautiful wife they pastor a church it's going well He's doing what he loves to do, and he is gifted to take people to Jesus and get them in a relationship with him. When we when we understand that our value as a man, our worth 
and our success and our peace is is 100% dependent upon doing our father's will then we will we will clear the emotional and mental and spiritual fog out of our lives to to the 80 degree point and live a life that's pleasing to God i ask this to the listeners and we'll wrap it with this um when you pray do you pray the bad things don't happen to you you know and i have a feeling that that answer is yes you know i i, I pray that these situations don't happen but i would say and i would suggest and i would offer maybe not that bad things don't happen to you but that when they do i am unwavered i i i pray that that's a prayer that i do a lot because things are going to happen the world will still be the world man will still be man people will lie cheat and steal i don't pray that that doesn't affect that doesn't affect and come into my bubble but i pray that when it does i am unwavered because of god Here's what's funny is when I was praying the other day and I was about to pray uh, like a very particular, like a directional God, God, I want to, I feel like I should do this. And before I was able to pray it, Holy Spirit stopped me from saying what I was going to say. There's nothing wrong. It was like Mm -hmm. this I wanted, but he stopped me because had I prayed, God would have moved on that, but it wasn't the time to pray that prayer. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So hold it. Yeah. So what I'm saying is with that is that you have to pray your heart. And if you're afraid, you have to get fear out of your heart because you won't pray. You'll pray for stuff that is going to waste your time in God's and keep you in mediocrity. One of the most transitionally, faith building books in my life I've ever read would be um, the book by, you know, we should get money for promoting so many people. A lot of people in the world do. Yeah. Well, (laughs) there's steps that you got to take beforehand though. Yeah. That's why they call nonprofits nonprofits. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Craig Rochelle wrote a book, dangerous prayers. Mm -hmm. And if you've never read the book, there's a devotion on, on you version. But it's not praying for stuff. It's praying for like, like one of the prayers is search me, oh God. If you want to know God's will for your life, if you, I will tell you one prayer to pray and then go sit in a corner somewhere with a journal and a Bible and listen, God will tell you and he will give you immediate direction. Mm-hmm. Pray the prayer and, and read Psalm 139 and Psalm 51. Say that again slowly. Read Psalm 139 and Psalm 51. And those will be in the show notes? They'll be in the show notes. Cool. Yeah. A link, a version link, Craig. And and ask, ask your Father in heaven this. Search me, O God, know my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me that displeases you. In actuality, we actually referred to this last last week in in uh, in our show notes. So it's Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Pray that those two verses, and I'm telling you, you will get almost immediate direction. Mm. I'm telling you, I'm I'm look, I am so sure of this. 
I'm 100% sure of this. God may not tell you what to do or where to go, but he's going to begin to point things out in your life that'll lead you to the next place. Yeah, I believe it. Uh, Don't pray for the riches, pray for the contentment. And I think when you pray for contentment, pray that God knows your heart. Uh, In my experience, um, the other things just don't hit as hard as they should. The things of this world don't hit as hard as they as 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 they once did, and you'll know a peace and you'll know a contentment and a joy that is uh, impossible to gang uh, without without knowing Christ. So, hey, thank you for listening to this episode of the Father Seekers Podcast. Thank you for listening to this series as we wrap it up. Uh, any ideas? Uh, I, I I think we said this last week on next week's. Start of a new series. Yeah, yeah. It's it's apropos. I think we've needed something together here, but um, it's how to listen to God. How to listen to God. That should be a simple one. <laughs> so, so subscribe to the podcast. Let's hope so. If you haven't, uh, press the subscribe button, and the subscribe button would let you know that when we drop episodes, uh, a new episode is ready for listening. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, give us a thumbs up, write and review for us if you can. Uh, that sure would appreciate uh, uh, the the amount of eyeballs and and ears on the podcast. So hey, thank you for listening to this week. Uh, for Pastor Barry, I'm Pastor Keith. We'll see you next time.